Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokushika Inside Look podcast. This episode is brought to you by our amazing patrons over at Patreon. From a cup of coffee to a bowl of ramen per month, they've shown their support. If you are enjoying this work, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash Canada. Hey guys, one thing before we continue to the interview. I have an important request on behalf of Marco and the Kendo Club Rijeka. A couple of months ago in December 2020, Croatia was hit with an earthquake that reached up to 6.4 on the Richter scale. One of the dojo founders in central Croatia lost his home, and all the clubs around the country have come together to support him and his family. They are still in the process of collecting money, so if you are inclined to help out, you can reach out to Marco and his dojo through Facebook or email them at info at That's R-I-J-E-K-A kendo dot com. Thanks for your attention, and now on to this inside look with Marco Vevoda. So my name is Marco Vevoda. I come from Rijeka, Croatia. It's a small city on the northern part of the Adriatic Sea. Basically lived here all my uh, life. I had a pretty normal upbringing, you could say. During my childhood, during elementary school, I trained water polo and swimming. So that was like my whole elementary school. I remember going by bus to the swimming pool and training and then coming back. Unfortunately, du- during high school, I stopped doing everything due to schedule conflicts. And then basically until college, like a few years into college, I decided with my best friend that like we didn't do anything for a long time physically. And we decided we got to start something. And Kendo was like, for me, it was the first choice um, to start. It was in part due to some influences from my mother she was she really wanted me to do martial arts but it was also an interest on my part because during my teenage years i uh, i really liked uh, james clavell's novels and one of my favorite novels by him was shogun and and if you've read it if, if anyone knows it it's a really long story one of the first uh, people that uh, came to Japan from foreign seas who was stuck there, you could say, and became like an advisor. It's a, it's a really good book. And it, it uh, showed me a side of the Japanese culture that uh, I didn't know at the time. And it really, I wouldn't say impressed me, but uh, it left an impression on me. So uh, I was like, I had an interest from that point on in uh, Japanese culture. And of course, in terms of Croatia, is Japanese mm-hmm. culture like well-known? Do you have restaurants all over the place? Is like No, no. In Croatia, it's not really well-known. It's, it's a bit of a fringe interest, you could say. No. People now, nowadays, it's more, but even in, at my day, it was more like the interest from Japanese culture came from anime or uh, something like that. Nowadays also, no? so um, Kendo and martial arts, it was more like uh, the well-known martial arts that, that have influence here for karate is very popular, popular uh, judo, things like that. Kendo, I mean, like when I started in my town, it was the very, very bare beginnings of Kendo. So it's, it's not very popular. It, it's starting now a bit more. What would be considered Croatia's national sport and what are people interested uh, in? F- football, uh, soccer for North Americans, but football, definitely, it's like number one. The Croatian team, I don't know if you ever followed it, that did really well and a couple of World Cups. So it's really a national sport here. When it's, when it's the World Cup, everybody's watching football, like everybody. <laughs> so on the street, everything stops and you watch the Croatian team. <laughs> And that that was more, most of the interests during my childhood in elementary school, even for me, was football. But growing up, uh, I became disinterested in following it. I still like the sport. I enjoy all sports, but I didn't have any interest in following matches or something like that. One, one thing I've always found is that, or I've heard too, from professional athletes, as anyone that's played football or soccer tend to bring into whatever else they pursue some really good footwork like they have a very good awareness of their feet where their feet are where their balance is did you find that even just from a recreational standpoint i i really never thought about it uh, until you said it now but probably yeah because as kids football is like you always when you're out and somebody has a ball you play football you find a space uh, between uh, buildings or a, a field or something and you just play it 
So probably, yeah, it certainly helps uh, with conditioning because you run a lot, but certainly for uh, mechanical footwork and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I didn't think about it, but it definitely helps, yeah. So you're saying there's there wasn't much kendo there. What, what was that early beginning like? So the early beginning, that was basically the beginning uh, of my journey, you could say, because when I started, I was looking for kendo. No, I really wanted kendo, and uh, I found a, you, it was a dojo that had uh, a lot of other martial arts. So they had Aikid that had Krav Maga and uh, also some fitness, kettlebell, stuff like that. And they had a kendo. And kendo at that time, like I remember the first uh, training I, I saw, it was just one of my friends that later became became one of my friends. He was just, he just had a shinai. He didn't even have uh, a gi and hakama. And they did suburi. And I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. It's kendo and I want to do it. And later I found out that that was like a month after some guys from the capital, from Zagreb, came to Rijeka and did a small seminar in the dojo to start something in the in that city. So basically, when I when I started, it was it was really really the beginning. They, we didn't have bog. I mean, the armors and or anything. It was just uh, shinai and really basic stuff. So talk about that process because I think that. What I'm really gaining a lot from these interviews is seeing how people start their dojos, because that's always going to be a thing. Even as you get to be more seniors, maybe some of your students are going to need to start dojos. Could you talk about your process or whatever you guys went through? Yeah, so basically it it started when I started. I was very lucky to start in that place because, like I said, it had also that fitness program. So at the same time, I started the kendo, aikido and kettlebells. So it was more of a, because they had the same price, the monthly price for training. So I started all three. So I was very lucky in the beginning because I started with also starting acquiring some like physical abilities. Uh, I mean, physical training skills from the kettlebells because I've had a very good trainer there who later also became my mentor because I trained a lot with him uh, with uh, kettlebells. And I later also a few years, years back had a certificate uh, for a fitness trainer and stuff like that. So that really helped me in the beginning, but um, mostly it was, um, we wanted to, to start like only kendo because the dojo, it was very, um, it was spread thin, you could say. They had Aikido and everybody could train everything. It wasn't really a, a focus on, on one martial art. And, and us couple of guys, we were really serious into kendo. We, were, we were really were biting for more knowledge for, for everything. So it was a logical step because there wasn't any any other kendo club in, in the Eka. We were the only ones doing kendo. So it was logical. Okay, what should we do? We're going to start our own club. In hindsight, it was really, really a bold move because when I think about those early days now, we were really gung-ho. We were really crazy about uh, doing everything, uh, going on seminars, uh, attending practices outside our town and everything. So um, for me, the most important thing is uh, passion, you could say, or encourage, because all other things will come if you have those two. Um, technical ability, physical ability, if you, if you train and if you're passionate about it, if you have the courage to go a bit out of your comfort, comfort zone, it won't be a problem really it will come to you people will recognize and uh, you will have more people from other dojos maybe come and stuff like that so if anyone is thinking about it and they want to start somewhere where there isn't kendo you just got to be persistent and it will come so you shared a, a lot of really great photos with us so it's a great way to talk about these experiences with a little more detail so maybe we can start with the first one looks like you're yes. on Tatami. <laughs> Yeah, so, so this was our dojo. You can see it was really, uh, I mean, it wasn't some, some a place where you can train kendo, but uh, it was a really humble start. Like I said, we the second photo is us, and this was probably the first time we uh, got into, into Bogus. But basically, our training for maybe a year, it was only compromised of Suburi and Ashisabaki. 
So we were only doing that. And maybe Kihon, Kihon Men, Kihon Kote and stuff like that. It was really, really basic. But I think looking back, it really helped us because when you focus that much on basics, um, everything else comes much faster than later. I also find that, found that out in Yaido with some other techniques. But yeah, this was like we had tatami floors. It was really awful. But on the other hand, uh, like I said, we, we did a lot of basic stuff. So in my opinion, it was good. Yeah, just to quickly, because some people might be listening to this on just the podcast app, so they wouldn't see the pictures. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so just describing the first one, you guys are on tatami. It looks like like an yeah. dojo or a gym. Yeah, we are on a tatami. We're doing probably suburi. And also another maybe funny thing, it uh, may be interesting. Uh, the guy who's leading, uh, who later we were founders of the club, he was like 16, 17 at the time. We didn't know how, how old he was. And he was leading all of us because he was the first one who had that seminar uh, with the guys from the capital. And uh, he was really good at leading. So we didn't even question how, how young he was. But later when we found out, it was really funny. But uh, he, he was a good, good uh, practice leader, yeah. And on the second photo, yeah, we're also on the tatami. We're in our bogu. And it, it's it's really funny when, when you try to, when you, fight for the first time that you do jigeiko and you don't have anyone who's senior who done, who's done it before it's really an uphill battle you could say to learn but yeah so that's it yeah and then so that was in 2008 9 or so yeah 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 so yeah and then the other photo so this is all three of us all three of us are actually called marco <laughs> which is very interesting except ivan marco he has two names but uh, you know, so this was probably uh, this is April, I think, 2010, and we we founded our club. I mean, the idea was before, but uh, like officially, it was founded March 2010 uh, when it was put into like uh, a registry in our uh, local city council and everything. But we started with trainings from January 2010, and this was. Probably, I mean, probably it was certainly our first Taikai. And we went all the way to Budapest, which is like um, 500 kilometers from, from Rijeka. And it, it was a really fun journey. And I, I remember one of the senior guys from, from Zagreb was really surprised to see us there. So he was like, oh, wow, you came all the way here. <laughs> so pro he probably knew that we were uh, a bit se more serious than, uh, than he thought at the time. But yeah, it was a great experience. And I mean, First Taikai, it's always, always, you learn a lot, you meet new people and everything. So it was a great experience. So for anyone who's also starting, one of the most important things, at least in my opinion, is traveling, go to other places, go to Taikai seminars. It's an incredible wealth of knowledge that you can learn from other people, from your peers, from other people starting and everything. So yeah, that was a great memory. Yeah. So that was what, like a five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour, six-hour drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably less because Ivan Marko, he drives really fast. <laughs> so we were probably there in four hours, I, I would reckon. But yeah, 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 something like that. And okay, then, cool. uh, from what I remember, we, we went there, that did the Taikai, and went back the same, same day. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so early morning, late night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that before EIDL started? That was after because we started the Aido when we were in the old dojo. Yeah, we started uh, before the club was founded, and that was thanks to uh, Denis Tosic. He was the dojo leader from Karlovac, uh, a small city near the capital, and he did a small seminar uh, for Aido. And at that time, if I remember correctly, he was back from a seminar in Japan with uh, Iwata Norikazu Sensei, the late Iwata Norikazu Sensei. And uh, for, for anyone who, who doesn't know Iwata Sensei, he, he was a really, really impressive sensei and with a wealth of incredible knowledge. And so when Dennis came to show us Yaido, he was really enthusiastic and we, he showed us the Koryukata and everything. And I was immediately thrust, you could say, upon the position of, of leading Yaido in, in our section because I was the only one who attended all the classes when he did the seminar. But I really loved the idol. Immediately, I was, I was attracted to the kata and everything. 
And I was really lucky to find uh, a good teacher like Dennis at the time. Because it looks like the next couple of pictures are seminars. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, okay, in the pictures, the uh, first picture is our first dojo, first place where we had the uh, Keiko, like officially, like Kendo. So I will just talk a bit a bit about the place because it was it was really a great dojo a great uh, space even though it had terrible floors uh, even though from the pictures you can't see it but the floors were sticking out and everything it was not the ideal place but on the other hand it had a great vibe because another they had an aikido club there with keiko and a tai chi club and we were in the center of the city and we had a lot of there was windows on the outside part of the dojo so it was really light during the day it was a really nice place now it's a, it's a museum actually of contemporary art these days but yet so we had a lot of seminars those days we we called dennis we on the other picture is he was at the time i don't know if there but he was at one time the national team coach for croatia and he had a great great influence on arkendo in Rijeka because uh, later he actually came to live uh, in Rijeka and that was really really lucky because we had someone actually someone who could be uh, the main coach the the leader of training who had much more knowledge than we had because we literally started from zero when we started we didn't have our downgrades we were really in queue but so that was really a lot of help, yeah. Cool. So how did you progress from there? It seems like you went to a few seminars that you had people come to. Yeah, yeah, yes. So the second picture, we, we had a lot of people come. I mean, on the second picture is Eli from Slovenia. He's also from Israel. He's a great Yaidoka and Kendoka. And here we had a joint Keiko session with the guys from Slovenia. It was a really great experience because somehow we got the local TV station to come and do a little report on on Yaida in Rijeka so it was really nice but yeah like I said before it's incredibly important to travel and um, something I found during all my years in uh, Budo a big difference maybe you know, with people like me and uh, some other people you know, who started Kendo in Croatia is that you take a lot, you, you take knowledge a lot more seriously when you go to seminars and stuff like that. And every time someone uh, corrects you, it's it's like a blessing. It's uh, you, you take it really, really seriously. You you thank them. You, the, the thanks aren't just for show. It's it's a genuine thank thank you because when they show you something wrong, you see okay, so this is how it should be. You you oh, maybe overanalyze uh, some stuff that. If you come to a dojo that has a sensei and something you wouldn't think about you would get instructions and you would just follow but when you when you're when you start and you have to lead and have everything on your own back you have to learn you have to take everything that someone says your peers and and take it very very seriously and, and incorporate it into your own into your own know-how you could say no? yeah that seems like something that you would then follow up on like if you had instruction during a seminar or during a class and then afterwards when you're going out for food or you're just meeting up with people that's a chance for you to maybe talk to others and say okay i got this what is what do you think it means what what how can i use this how can i teach this did you find did you find much conversations around the pointers that you're getting yeah we had pointers but it was because at the time most of the time only me and uh, the other mark were because we were like you could say the the leaders i was the secretary at the time and he was the president of the club so we were the ones traveling so but it was yeah it was it was more of a discussion it was not discussion it was more like we would come to the dojo and we would try it out and we would see okay this works this is what they told us uh, what were we doing wrong before what are we doing different now it was a learning process but on the other hand like i said when you learn like that, it it stays with you much, much stronger in a stronger way than when you learn in a more, you could say. I want to pick up on something you mentioned was the local yeah. TV station came about. Did you see any change in terms of like people coming or did you send a link mm. to like your friends and family just to say, hey, we were on TV? <laughs> yeah, they saw me, yeah, but we, 
we had a bit more, some more people at that time, but there wasn't a huge influx uh, of people because it, it's a really small TV station. I mean, very few people watch uh, uh, like the local local TV, but it, it was at that time, I think until now, this was the biggest the Yaido section was in our club. We, we had a really uh, nice uh, set of people. Unfortunately, there was a lot of maybe younger people that later went to college and everything in different cities, so they had to quit. But uh, yeah, at that time, it was, uh, we had a lot of people for Yaido. It, it was, I think, 10 of us, so it was great. Okay. Over the years, it seems like you've continued making these travels. It looks like the... Yeah. Going to Hungary seems to be a, a regular thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Hungary, because for Yaido, my sensei and the sensei of, of my of Dennis was Hunor Michalik sensei. So he, when we did the first exam, I remember we went by train to uh, to Budapest for uh, Sankyu, yeah, for Yaido. So that was, uh, and there I met Hunor sensei. And yeah, so because they have a really strong, both Yaido and Kendo, and it's it's not near, but it's all highway and for those who, who don't live in europe they know europe is usually not that well connected as maybe in the us so when something is maybe 300 kilometers away but uh, it's not connected by highway it's much longer than a city that's maybe 600 kilometers away but it's all highway so budapest was really um, really nice for that and they had they had the, the beginner taikai for Kendo, uh, the Sakura Cup, and that was a great, always great experience. And yeah, but for me, it was mostly for Yaido. I was there a lot for Yaido and Koryu especially. Yeah, Yeah, as much as, like you're saying, it's a straightaway highway, it's still like a four hour at least uh, drive to get there. So it's not as easy to get more of your dojo's members to go if they can't yeah travel. yeah 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 that that was definitely a problem i wouldn't say a problem but uh, definitely an issue uh, at the time because when you start of course you don't have a lot of finances in the club it, it's it's very basic so when we travel you know you have to pay for the for the gas uh, for the stay in a, in a hotel or a hostel or something so yeah it, it is expensive i mean when i look back now we were traveling really a lot and basically all my free time was dedicated to, to that, to saving money for going to trips, going to Taikai, going to seminars and stuff like that. I, I don't know if I, I could do it again. So definitely the, my age was a factor at the time because if I was older, it would be much, much harder. Of course, nowadays we have a more stable club and even some health help from the local sport federation of the city so maybe we can get some finances or something to help our all our members go so it's always a great experience when for everyone when they when they go to a trip somewhere and they experience other people they see how big kendo can be and uh, they do taikai they, they learn something new it's it's like i said traveling really is like for a young club, in my opinion, like one of the top priorities. So talk about when you finally had a chance for the whole club, or at least a large group of your club yeah. to be able to. Yeah, so that was that was one of these pictures. It was Samobor Kup. Yeah, it, it was a, uh, a small taika in Samobor. It, it's really great because it's near. It's like two hours away. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience because before we always, uh, before we started the club, we, we would go and just watch Samobor Cup. We would just watch and it was like, wow, uh, can't wait. Maybe one day we can go there. And so when we went uh, with, the, with the whole club, it was a great experience, definitely. It's, it's always great um, to travel and do Taikai with more members. You get a sense of uh, camaraderie, you could say. Uh, you, you learn something new about your colleagues, uh, someone from the dojo, and you know you start to build like a smaller community. And I'm, it's something that, for me, it's really important to more important maybe than than the the physical or the technical. It's uh, that the people that people uh, connect and they feel the same joy doing kendo and learning together when we do it. Yeah. When you think of a trip like that, or even that particular trip, mm -hmm. what would be something that you really enjoyed, found very meaningful outside of the actual practice? 
So you're not, it's not in the dojo, it's not during the seminar, but outside when you're with the other groups. What, what's something that really sticks in your mind? Just like I said, just hanging out. It, that, that's the best part because uh, you learn a lot of, most of my friends these days, actually, I, I, I met them at, in Kendo. We found some mutual interests and uh, stuff like that. But also another thing that I really like when we go to trips is just visiting the city. Kendo really gave me the opportunity to travel a lot. So, I mean, Budapest is a beautiful city. So every time we go there, it's always a trip. Or you, you get to see some new places. Yeah, I think it's like a road trip. I mean, it is a road trip in a way. So you get to learn Kendo and you also get to see the city, learn something more about people, maybe meet a, a new friend and stuff like that. Yeah, so for me, it's that. Do you have one particular anecdote that you might be able to share? Like one interesting or fun experience or one specific like I remember, I don't know, in uh, Hungary, we have a summer seminar, choreo seminar, that actually it's for every stage of the year, but the summer seminar is the biggest one. And I remember we were, uh, I went with Dennis and the seminar is always at the lake, uh, Balaton, the biggest lake in Hungary. And I come from, from the sea. I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sea guy and... And we went there and it was really hot. It was like extremely warm. And we, we went to the, to the, like, to the beach of, of the lake. And it was like this muddy water full of algae and everything. And it was, for me, it was disgusting because like I said, I come from the sea. If it's not clear, if it's not seawater, I, I don't go near it. But Dennis, he was like, okay, I, I gotta take a bath. I gotta I refresh, uh, refresh myself. So he went inside and he swam on the, like the, you could say illegal side of the, of the lake because you can't swim everywhere because they have like predispo predisposed places for the beach. And he returned and then, I mean, he, he was all covered in bruises from, because it's shallow water, it's not deep. <laughs> and yeah, that, that was one of the, I mean, more, uh, absurd experiences from from one of our, our trips yeah yeah that's funny Wait, so when there, there's these trips that you're going on there's some small seminars there's going to <laughs> different countries talk about something like a national event in Croatia like participating yeah so so that that's one thing I mean we as a club I think uh, are really proud uh, is that when we started uh, it, it wasn't my idea, it was the idea of Marko Ivankovic, he was the president at that time, because at the time we didn't have a, a national championship. It was something that was, we just didn't have it. And uh, one of the criteria to enter the Olympic Federation in Croatia, I, but I think in every country, is to have a national championship. We were really lucky, one of our members, his father, is part of a uh, diving club that has a lot of experience in doing championships stuff like that so we organized the first national creation championship in 2011 basically a year after we founded our club so that that was a great experience uh, probably one of my favorite championships in the early days you could say i remember i think i won uh, fighting spirit and one of our members also won third place i think or even also fighting spirit but it's a, it was a great experience to see the organization you know to see the, the stuff that usually happens behind the curtains when you go to a taikai and stuff like that so that the first one was definitely a hallmark for us as a club but also for the creation federation and then later it, it was simply something that that nowadays it seemed as normal like every year we have the national championships it's so in it like like you were saying in order to when you first start out you have to have this mm -hmm. passion you have this drive you have yeah. kind of this youthful energy so you're able to travel you're able to build a new club you're able to even host like the first of any national tournament but to keep it going is also really difficult yeah yeah so that, that's probably yeah, that's one of the hardest part, parts of uh, the whole story because as you can see, most of the pictures were from the early days because we were so passionate at the beginning. And I think, I wouldn't say we burnt out, but it was really, it, we found out it, it's not sustainable. 
to go to that many events to host maybe something on or everything you have to build a good base in, in your own town in your own dojo but yeah that's the hardest part especially in the beginning when like like you like i said we we, we just started we were really low grades i mean i'm still a very low grade in kendo and yaido but when you start and it's hard uh, sometimes to how what's the word i'm looking for uh, i'm sorry brain fart i mean it's it's really hard hard to make yourself continue and practice at the same volume as you did in the beginning but that's also one of the most important things i found out uh, in my journey is consistency even even when you feel that you're not progressing when you're stuck in you think you're stuck in one place that you, your kendo or your technique, your kata isn't improving. It is improving. It's, it's just like a, it's an illusion. It's a mental trick you do on, on yourself because at the start, your progress is so fast, especially if you have a good physical, like good motorics, good biomechanics and everything. You learn fast. Everything is fast. But then you come, you maybe go shodan and then it's slower it's you have like one year to go to nidan and maybe and everybody you, you were at the q taikai and now you're at dan taikai that's much harder you you have to fight with people who are godan rokudan yondan who are in national teams and everything and you so you it's like a second beginning you start anew and then it's much slower it's it's much harder the techniques and um, the but only consistency it's it may be slow but it, you 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 will feel you will uh, notice the difference it's like when you put something like a kettle on on hot water the maybe the first when you start it it warms up fast but it takes a bit longer to get to that boiling point it's like for me it's like that you you start fast you get maybe to a, a first downgrade but then it's much slower it, it's much more uh, methodical and uh, you you must think much more about techniques and some deeper stuff uh, same how it influences some other things in in your in your kendo and also yaido so yeah but like i said consistency just coming to trainings it it's hard to to motivate yourself but uh, on the other hand when you see the results it's it's worth it it really is but it's hard i also notice it with people that uh, that came and still are in our dojo so you just you feel like you come to a point of diminishing returns you don't feel the same amount of progress as you did before and that's i think that's really hard on people i don't know it's if it's a cultural thing or because we always want instant gratification in a in a sense and uh, kendo and yaido it's it's not like that it's it's really you have to put in the work work for a long long time and then you see the results i think we're also programmed to like to have a diverse set of experiences and because I, like you're saying when you're first learning there's always something new there's always something coming yeah. at you that piques your interest that kind of but when you when you train for a long enough time you start focusing and you have to work on the same thing over and over and over before you can see that next jump in level yes yeah, so yeah when you're practicing a lot some of your side hobbies start to go away too like you're, you're starting to do just kendo and just yaido and you maybe used yeah. to play sports maybe you used to play games that's gone now so how have yeah, you been yeah. able to manage this because like like all of us that have been very passionate and very like excited about these we quickly realize that oh all these other interests that we had started disappearing and then when it starts getting hard in the practice we don't have something to fall back on so how do you balance that kind of finding other interests? i don't know i mean i think uh, it's safe to say that kendo and yaido are like my main interests now nowadays but i looked at it maybe uh, in a different way as things progressed because uh, it was maybe the other way around when things got hard and uh, not very uh, interesting in the rest of my life i could fall back 
on Kendo, on Yaido, that was very stable. So you could watch it that way also. Um, so yeah, it definitely took up a lot of my time, but I, I, I mean, when I started doing Budo and everything, when I looked into it and uh, I always knew uh, I was gonna do this for a very long time. It wasn't something that I thought okay, I'm going to do it for a couple of years and then we'll see. It was I'm, because I met so many so many people that, that are doing that for a very long time. I mean, you find all the senseis, they, they, they are they're doing it their whole lives. So I knew I had the idea that, yeah, it, it's going to be a long journey. And for me, it won't be a problem. I mean, I, I can take it. I can take it for for the long run you could say but it's it it it, it uh, isn't easy definitely so you feel like because you've already made this decision you said okay i'm going to be in it that there is yeah. there's no changing mind so it's just natural yeah yeah I, I mean yeah i i knew um, i mean i didn't want to rush anything i, I really didn't because my priority for Yaido at the time, or at the beginning, was I want to learn good fundamentals so I can teach the next generation and the generation maybe after, and to be maybe someone who can be a point of reference in this part of uh, the world. You could, I mean, in, in our city, but also in maybe neighboring cities and that are near. That when you go, okay, I, I have some knowledge that's that's not. You could say or that shouldn't be taken lightly. I mean, in a way. So yeah, it, it, it's it's different because, like I said, when you start a club, in my opinion, the priorities are different. It's not maybe when someone starts in a well-established club and he wants to go to a lot of taikais and just get medals or something like that. It's really about knowledge and like getting the most knowledge and getting the, the right vibe, you could say, or the right attitude towards the, the art. Because I also never wanted to, we have, I don't think it's a problem, but every country I think has dojos that do martial arts in a very frivolous way, you could say. It's not very serious. It's, they don't have a federation. They're outside of everything. And this is something I also liked about Kendo. It's one federation. And I mean, wherever you go, you're most probably going to do the same thing. I mean, the Keiko isn't going to be completely different in different parts of the world. So we we really wanted to do something that's that's consistent, that that if you go in Kendo Club Rieka and then you go in, in another club in, an, in another part of the world, it's not going to be different. It's going to be probably somewhere there. Okay, maybe the quality won't be the same with uh, that many high, higher grade people, but the Keiko is going to be probably the same. Yeah, I think this is a great mindset to have this long-term perspective on passing on knowledge, on making sure that everyone's on the same page so that wherever you go, there's always an opportunity to train. So speaking of passing down things, I, I noticed this, several sets of photos of Koryu can you maybe talk about your introduction to that and how that's developed? Yeah, so like I said, so, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry about it. But yeah, so Koryu. Um, yeah, I was really lucky that Dennis yeah, had a great teacher who later, okay, Kuno became also my teacher in a way. And yeah, when I first saw Koryu, I was really impressed. I mean, I, I liked the idol, but when I saw Koryu, it was... Uh, really another another level and we were really really lucky uh, to have a lot of seminars with uh, Yabe Yasutaka I put quite a few pictures I think with uh, his seminars and that was at a time when I was really really active in uh, Yaido I really wanted to because I I recognized that it was a unique time when that I had to um, take how would I say it I had, to, uh, I had to take advantage of the time because Yabe Sensei was coming to Hungary and we also had the luck that he came to Karlovac in Croatia. So we had, that was one of probably the greatest seminars because there was really 
not a lot of us and he had a lot of time to to explain things in more detail had a more personal approach because there was less people and yeah i mean my experience with choreo is incredible also because the hungarian guys they have a their own organization you could say that i think they it's uh it's an organization they call it for uh, the preservation of an ancient japanese martial art no but it's like a choreo it's it's the choreo but they so they can get probably fundraisers and stuff like that but the guys who do choreo they really have a, a tight community and they're i mean i really feel like part of that community because they they really helped us a lot, both me and Dennis, when we had to go for seminars, they would, if we didn't have maybe the finances, they would uh, try and find them uh, some place to stay, or maybe we didn't have to pay the, uh, the fee of the seminar or something like that. They really, really uh, went out of their way to help us out in this learning process. And this was probably one of my greatest experiences in Yaido, but also in in uh, Buddha in general, that this tight community and helping out and uh, just learning together, wanting to learn together, wanting to progress together. That's a great, great experience. And also I had the honor, probably my, my, my greatest moment in, in Buddha that I received a gift from Yabe Sensei. It was Bokuto with an inscription on it. That was really unexpected because I, I was just a beginner at the time, even though, okay, I, I was trying to do my best uh, going on all seminars and everything, but I was really not, uh, not a high grade and it was really impressed on me. It, I felt extremely humbled uh, and it was a great, great experience. I mean, it's not something that uh, you get every day, you know, a gift from, from your sensei. It's, it's a great experience, definitely. And also the inscri inscription was really meaningful to me because it said, it's a, it's a Zen saying, I later found out that it says like, come back in 30 years, something like that. But actually when you look at the, the kanji and everything, it's the meaning is uh, to never think you know everything, to always learn like a beginner, always from the start. And that's something that even before that, I always try to have that feeling that, okay, even if I learn something, even if I'm a higher grade, I want to have uh, a beginner mindset. I want to learn like I'm learning for the first time. So I'm not, I'm not stuck maybe in my ego or my ability or something, even though <laughs> it's not very good, but it can get to you. But always to look at it in a, in a very humble way. Like you're always starting for the beginning. Yeah, yeah that, that must be such an amazing experience having that kind of gift. But also in, in that sense, after you had a chance to think about it, it's also a great responsibility to, to carry on what he's taught. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That, that was like, from that point, I, 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 it was like a pact I made with myself. Okay, I'm, now I'm really, really must keep the flame alive, you could say, in, uh, in our dojo for the I don't know, to because Yaido, it's probably, I mean, I talked to a lot of people during my uh, travels and everybody had, most people have the same problem. It's always a smaller amount of people that train Yaido in comparison to Kendo. And it's always the same. So it's really important for me to, to continue, just to continue. That That's also one of my, what I'm most proud of, that I'm still here, that, uh, that I'm still continuing after all these years, even though it's not that many years, but it feels like it was uh, now that I look back and at all the photos, it feels like like almost a lifetime in a way uh, of travels and everything. Yeah. So talk about your first and then maybe your most recent European Idol Championship. Yeah, so that was the first one, actually. Yeah, that was a great experience. And we had the possibility to go before, but due to some certain circumstances we didn't and then this time it was really like the federation the kendo federation said that okay we can finance the travel expenses and that so if you want but i was also said i i had at that time i had a, I, I was established at my job so i had a better pay 
And I was like said, okay, I can do it. I can go. I can, the finances aren't a problem. Even if they don't finance me, I can take the trip and everything. So I, it was more, for me, it was more like I went there to gather intel, you could say, to gather information, to see what it's like. Because no one before went to a European championship. And I wanted to, more than to compete, I wanted to see what it looks like. What do I have to know for maybe next year and for other years? So when I went, I went alone. That's something that I definitely won't ever do again because it's, it's very hard because you have to, you have to attend the, the manager part. You have to be careful where your taika is. All the stuff that usually other people do, you have to do it all by yourself, which is very hard for, for a European championship because it's not like some small taika. It's like a, a big deal. It's a, a lot of people. But from that point, I mean, it was a great experience and I, I hope I learned a lot from from the organizational standpoint, at least. So next time, hopefully next year, we're going to go in greater numbers and we can organize much more in easier fashion and everything. So it was a great experience, but it was very stressed, stressing. It was, uh, it wasn't easy. Well, as the only Croatian there too, everyone's looking at you and saying, yeah. oh, this is Croatian Yada. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was, for me, it was... I just wanted to do my best Yaido. It, it wasn't about winning. Uh, it wasn't about anything. I just wanted to do my best Yaido. Okay, I got one flag, I think. I'm sure I got one flag, so I'm happy with that. And uh, also some guys from uh, Hungary came to me and they said I did really well. So <laughs> I, I was happy with that, that I didn't drop the ball, you could say, uh, on, on, on something. I think I did okay, but... Yeah, I, unfortunately, I was so so overwhelmed with all the things that I had to do. Uh, I didn't meet that that many people, except maybe I said hi to some people from Kitamoto and stuff like that. But I didn't have uh, that much. I wasn't in a state of mind uh, where where I can maybe uh, relax and <laughs> meet other people. So it was really. It was a really stressed experience, but a really good one. You mentioned Kitamoto. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was also uh, last year. And that, that was something when we started the club that was like um, a dream. <laughs> it was, uh, We knew we had to uh, uh, be at least Sandan for Kitamoto. And, and basically... When, when, I, when I did the Sandan exam, that was like one of the first things on my mind to go to Kitamoto because all of the guys who went from Croatia, they said it was an incredible experience. And, and really it was. It, it's probably my, my favorite experience in Kendo. All the people, the atmosphere, the teachers. We also went to the uh, All Japan Kids Championship. And that was incredible. I mean, you're usually used to, okay, even, even the bigger championships in, in uh, Europe, like Europeans, and you see a lot of people, but when you go to Budokan and see all those kids, like the whole Budokan full, just practicing, warming up, it's, it's like another thing. It, it, put, it puts into perspective how small Kendo is outside, outside of Japan. Even if Kendo is bigger than Yaido, it's still so small. It's just a fraction of, of that that's practiced in, in Japan. But yeah, Kitamoto was an incredible experience, definitely. Meeting uh, other people from other cultures, just like everything. It, it, it's, uh, it's something for me, if anybody will listen, that's, that wasn't, uh, I mean, has the chance to go, definitely prioritize Kitamoto because Kitamoto is... Uh, Really, really a uh, great experience, especially for someone who's in a position to, as a leader, as a dojo leader or doing like Keiko leader or coach or something, definitely. It's, it's really a great, great, great place. So do you want to choose one more photo before we get into the final rapid fire? Yeah, I want to talk maybe a bit about my members. One member in particular because I think it's, it's a great, I, I, I consider it a, a really uh, nice anecdote, at least, because they're really nice people. 
So it's page 18. <laughs> so, okay, those of you who don't see, it's basically a bunch of beginners doing Ashisabaki in the picture. Uh, from second from the right, you see a younger kid. <laughs> so this is Noah. And on his left, on, on, I mean, from our left is uh, his mother, Roberta. And this is really a nice, uh, one of the nicest things. He started doing kendo first and she was coming to drop him off basically. And uh, she would stay during training and just read a book because, and so she's decided one day, okay, I'm, I'm gonna train just so I don't waste my time there. So she started training and also her husband started training and then over time, both her husband and, and her son quit and she continued and she became one of the members of the Croatian national team, women's, and she competed in the uh, European championships. Oh, wow. She's really, yeah, yeah I, I really love her journey and she's one of really, she has really a great fighting spirit. She's a great, great a really big inspiration for me, even though she's like a kohai, but she, she has an incredible spirit for Kendall. Okay, great. So thank you so much for sharing all these great pictures and stories. I want to just get into some rapid fire questions just to get yeah. to know you a little bit more. I think we might have mentioned one before, but I'm just going to ask this again. What's a quote or a proverb or something that you you like to think about when you practice? Yeah, this is one that I, I, I use a lot during practice because we, we sometimes do a lot of suburi and maybe a lot of kiryoroshi during yaido. And I always say you should not practice like a hundred cuts once, but one cut a hundred times. It's, it's from a Bruce Lee quote. He talks about kicks, but I think the, the sentiment is the same because you don't want to like lose yourself in the repetition. You want to do each repetition like it's one repetition. It's it's one cut, like that's the final cut in a way. And with that philosophy, I mean, you can progress much faster, in my opinion, than just doing the mechanical stuff, doing suburi, doing uh, kata or something, infinite amount amounts of times, or just doing it maybe even ten times. But those ten times, you are focused. You are you are really thinking about that cut. So yeah, that's definitely a, a quote. What is something that you've changed your mind over in the last year or two? Something that you either used to believe was true that is different now or something that you didn't think was important, but now you feel is really important? One of the things when I started that I didn't think, or even a few years back was Taikai. I didn't really think much of a competition. It's even now, it's not that important to me. But over time, also thanks to some members in our club that are really passionate about uh, competition, I changed my mind uh, on, I mean, I didn't change my mind. I just look at it in a, in a different way. I think it's much more important than I first gave it credit. You could say no, because at the beginning for me, it was more like seminars, this, that, and Taikai was always like on, on a second place. But these days, it's definitely, it serves its purpose in a big way in both Kendo and both Yaido. So yeah, that's definitely something that changed my mind. You mentioned that to start, when you started doing Kendo, or your interest in Japanese culture came from a book called Shogun. What is something, yeah. what's a piece of media, either a book or a movie or a TV show or a podcast or something that influences you more today? Today, <laughs> I think, Okay, Shogun was definitely a big influence to me, but some, some other piece of media, I mean, I, I, I consume a lot of media, you could say, because I have a lot of interest in art and uh, music. And one of the only things uh, I'm, I'm known in the club, if I, if I miss Keiko, it's usually because I go to a concert. <laughs> so, so I don't know if there's something that, that, that influential to me, but you could say probably some movie, <laughs> I don't know if I could say something. <laughs> it's Kubrick's movies. They they definitely left an impression on me, and it's not something I come back to maybe philosophically, but as a piece of art, uh, something like that. It's something that uh, I really appreciate. I've heard that a lot from people, and it's something that it takes a certain 
view or perspective to be able to understand or even just appreciate. For someone that maybe doesn't really understand what it is about his movies, could you try to explain a little bit what impact it has? I mean, he's very meticulous. I mean, I, I, I watched about his work and you, you can sense that in, in his, his work that it's not, it's not random. It's not, it's very, I wouldn't say it, it is calculated it's it has a vision it has a certain uh, something that he wants to to uh, impress upon you so all movies even the comedies even dr strangelove there's something about it that uh, he wants to, that that comes across really strongly and every movie i think has something that uh, he wants to convey in a v- v- very strong way but also everything is very meticulous so it's it's very interesting yeah it's hard it's hard to put into words for me, because I like to more, I go by feeling, you could say, but yeah, that, that would be something. Yeah. So like, there's an overarching theme when you go away, you're like, I, there's something about this whole movie that captures mm-hmm. one, one kind of message. While let's say if you go to an Avengers movie, it's like, that was a fun scene and that was a fun scene and that was a fun yeah. scene. And then you're just done with it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I enjoy his movies, but I, I usually enjoy also a lot of movies that are very aesthetic and, and he has a, a very strong sense of uh, aesthetics. And that's also one of my favorite movies by him with Eyes Wide, Wide Shut. And that's a movie that has a lot of impressionable scenes. You could just take a scene out of context and it would still leave a big impression upon me because it's so so well made, so so well the photography is because he was also a photographer and you can see that in his movies, it's, the photography is really impressive. It's, it's maybe he also, of course, from, from today's ta- standards, it's as all of his movies are a bit slower, but I, I don't see them that way. It's, it's really, it's, it's a work of art that uh, you should take your time and enjoy, feel out and see a, maybe a bit, a couple of more times to maybe get something out of it more than just the first impression yeah actually the way that you're describing it i'm getting this feeling and it's making me feel like how iido is because it's like you're just there's nothing there besides that person and then each kata there's something happening and you have to be able to see it it might be slow in some areas but if it's really good you there's something there that yeah yeah definitely that's one of the things i love about iido when you look at someone uh, a really high rank or even lower ranks that are really uh, during competition in at the european championships i was really really impressed uh, by i don't remember her name but uh, she was from slovakia here i think she won yondan competition and, and she had she was so immersed in the kata that that it was just incredible just to watch just to watch the uh, how she was doing kata and Sometimes when I practice, I also get immersed, but it happens, it's really random, you could say. It's not always like that. But that's definitely one of the appeals of Yaido when doing the katas. Cool. Uh, a couple more simple ones, and then we'll wrap up. What is your comfort yeah. food? Uh, pizza, definitely. I, 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 I love making pizza more than anything else, because usually I'm the kind of person with food. If I like something, I'm just going to, I'm not going to order it. I'm just going to learn the best way to prepare it and make it my my way, you could say. So yeah, pizza is definitely because I like working with dough. And so yeah, that's number one, definitely. Talk about the last one you made. The last one I made, oh yeah, I made it probably a couple of days ago. I Okay, so this is a process. So I'm gonna bore you a bit uh, because I have my own starter. So, and I, I use the Italian ratio. So I use 70% water on 100% flour and I use a bit of uh, starter and I leave it, of course I need it. I leave it for at least two days in the refrigerator. And then I, I make the, I have a pizza maker, a small pizza maker. So I just put the dough. One of the most important things I learned is uh, when dealing with dough, the most important ingredient is time. When you learn that it, it, it becomes a different thing when when doing something. So pizza is also that the fermentation and the, the process of waiting. And yeah, for 
everything else I just for toppings I use the usual stuff like I during summer I make my own uh, salsa because we have a lot of tomatoes here but during winter I, I just buy something I cook uh, so I, I can season it at my will and I put some cheese some vegan cheese because I'm vegan I had to say it <laughs> and some vegetables and that's it yeah it's so funny, actually, over the course of this interview, we've really realized there's one thing, this overarching theme about you, whether it's the practice where you believe, okay, I need to think long term, I can't rush things, whether it's Kubrick's movies where they're a little slower and you have to be patient with what's coming, and then this discussion about the dough, how you have to be patient and let time run. There's just this thing about you that you, you can appreciate <laughs> that things take time and you have the patience to, to let it just come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, it is. It is. I, I can't. I'm not a person for that. Always goes for instant gratification. I like when I take my time and and I can enjoy it much more that way. Well, I hope that's a lesson that a lot of rest of us learn. It's definitely needed these days. We're not getting out of the house. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, so we need so, that yeah. patience. Yeah. Do you have anything in closing, any message that you want to say, something that you just want to share? Uh, I just want to thank you. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and it was there were quite a few people I met and and it was it was a great thing to to pick their brain and to see how how other people uh, view Budo and or have viewed Budo in their own life. So this is more of a thank you to you. For, for this podcast. I'm glad. Thank you for b- being part of it now. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Okay, cool. perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Patrick. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons over at Patreon. If you are enjoying this work, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash Canada. To contribute to this effort, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada or subscribe to our newsletter at subscribe at Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>